To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, this is from back at the Western Hunting Expo. I sat down with Ike Eastman and Mike Glover. Uh, so I really like Mike Glover. He's helped me a bunch with my my shooting process for hunting black bears and then also hunting in grizzly terrain. Uh, the guy is super knowledgeable. He runs Fieldcraft Survival. Uh, also has the podcast, the free free range American podcast. And um, just a great overall human being. I just love listening to him speak. So really fun to get him on the podcast. He has dove headfirst into Western hunting. And so we start the conversation uh, talking about a, a good mule deer he harvested, also did an elk hunt last year. Um, and the guy's taking his special force skills to the hunting woods. And so it's really fun to hear about his journey into it, what he's learned, and where he's been able to utilize these skills he's built over a lifetime of uh, military experience and special forces. So uh, made for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. I want to thank my sponsors for today's show. I want to thank Zamberlin Boots. Uh, I absolutely love my Zamberlins. They came out with a new lightweight hiker, that Saluth, uh, let's see what it is, the Saluth uh, 215RR. Um, this this is like a, a burly hunting shoe. Uh, it, it gets me through multiple seasons with it. It continues to stay and be waterproof. Zamberlin just doesn't cut any corners when it comes to craftsmanship, when it comes to materials. They are out there trying to build the absolute best boots for the mountains. Uh, so I love these um, Saluth GTX RRs. Uh, they come in at under two pounds a pair, which is so light. And you guys have heard me say a pound on the foot is like 10 on the back. When you take 40,000 steps, an extra pound on your foot can be 40,000 pounds. So it uh, makes a big difference going with this light footwear. I also enjoy having the feel of the ground and being able to stock in them. And uh, the Salus fit the bill for me. But they have all different types of boots and shoes for, for all different preferences. Uh, I also really like their 320 Trail Light Evo GTX. This is a lightweight hiker made under three pounds per pair. Uh, great ankle support. It's got a Vibram sole. Just a really well-made boot. So I'm loving those boots as well. And like I say, they've got something for every different preference of boot that you could ask for. And I really believe they're building some of the best boots on the market right now. So uh, make sure to check them out over at Zamberlin.com. I also want to thank Swagger. Uh, Swagger builds bipods. They build all different sizes, and they build the best bipods on the market. Uh, being an accurate shot is all about the rest, and having a bipod that can swivel and move uh, makes such a difference for tracking your target. You can also adjust your, your heights on the bipod. Uh, it'll swivel multiple different sizes from a bench rest to stand-up model. They've got a quick disconnect so you can carry your shooting, your bipod in your backpack and then pull it out and connect when you're getting ready to shoot. They also have shooting sticks and it just makes a huge difference on accuracy. So if you're in the market for a new bipod, new shooting sticks, uh, make sure to check them out over there at Swagger. 
with that, um, boy, we've been keeping busy over Eastman's. I saw that uh, new Nevada edit is going to be done here shortly and released to you guys. So excited to see that. Uh, I've got a link. I've got to check it out myself and see how it uh, came out. I just know it was such an epic adventure and captured so much video footage. Uh, so I can't wait to see how that all came together. So that'll be releasing soon. If you want to take your hunting skills to the next level, take a look at Eastman's Tag Hub. There are over 800,000 data points on an interactive mapping module covering 11 western states and 7 big game species. Tag Hub also offers Eastman's Hunting TV early access to Beyond the Grid TV episodes, exclusive member-only blogs, plus a member favorite are Tag Hub 2-Minute Tips. All this plus the long-trusted Eastman's Hunting and Bow Hunting Journals. This is the real deal package when it comes to hunting the West. So, um, got all that out of the way, um, all the business. So we'll get into this this podcast with uh, Ike Eastman and Mike Glover. Uh, it's a great episode. So um, here we go. Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Well, Mike, you had a heck of a hunt this year. I saw that that big mule deer you harvested. Congratulations. I did. It, I was desperate. I had a bad hunt in Sawtooth with uh, elk, and um, I, I was at a point of like, man, I, tags were running low, and went out, and, and thank God Sportsman's Warehouse um, gifted me a uh, tag in Deseret. Oh, nice. And it was, it was an epic hunt. I mean, the boys at Deseret, the, the guides out there, are some of the best in the business. Um, they do a lot of hunts. They do a lot of hunts. Yeah. And the frequency and volume there is amazing. And uh, I had just gotten a SIG across, a 308, just zeroed it like the day prior because it was just a late, it was a last-minute kind of deal. And, yeah, I got lucky. I got mm-hmm. lucky. That was a good deer. Yeah. Really good deer. Capitalized, yep. you know. Went down there and had an adventure and then um, uh, saw a buck and able to capitalize on it. Yeah, I think what happened is, you know, a lot of these these things are centered around content, and the media drives a lot of that, which is like inspiration and education. But for me, very selfishly in this in this moment, I was like, man, I need to fill the freezer. Yeah. And so I was thinking about like, hey, how can I capitalize and fill the freezer? And so all the, you know, the, the guy was like, so how you want to do this? And they're gracious enough to give you options. Like, hey, do you want to go scout? And do, I'm like, if we get on something that's worthy. Um, of filling that freezer Um, you you know better than I Um, let's do it let's bag it and it it was just random how it happened we 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 were spotting uh, that morning ran into a whole bunch of elk because elk are like people here at the expo in Deseret (laughs) it's just it's insane yeah they might have an elk problem yeah it's it's crazy it's it's amazing to see but um, we found one and immediately the guide identified it's story. He had like a story. I mean, he was he was a seven year old buck, and they had been watching him prior before, and a couple of the guides on their hunts were trying to bag him and they oh, couldn't, nice. and it was just an opportunity, man. It, it happened really fast. Uh, we we got out, and I was like, let me set up, and he, and right when we thought like, hey, he's gone, we misidentified the front of the herd, and went back in the wood line, and he was there. He hadn't even. He haven't. He hadn't left the wood line yeah, they to go that. into an open field, and he was very switched on. And then he ran, and he was kind of bladed away from me at about 250, and then cut across and was at about 300. 
And, I, and I'll tell you what, big, big testament to that Sig Cross out of the box. It's a, a sub-minute gun. Where I broke the shot, I could see the round almost penetrate the point between the reticle, which is a, probably about a .2 mil reticle or smaller. I could just see it go exactly where I intended to put That's it. That's awesome. And so I, I felt good about it, and it was a clean, very ethical kill. I mean, that, that animal was down probably in five, ten seconds. Yeah. He, he, he sprint, staggered, and fell into the bush. And it was like, man, that was amazing. It that was an amazing awesome. experience, yeah. What, right, what round were you shooting? I was using a 308. I, I wanted a 6.5. Yeah. And I, and I was kind of on the waiting list for a 6.5, but got the 308, and I'm super familiar with it. Um, but out of the box, um, I shot, and, you know, obviously a testament to a, a good rifle is it, is it shooting less than a minute at yeah. 100 yards. Yeah. And I, I, was, I wasn't zeroed yet, so I just shot five rounds out of the box and had a five- the point three zero eight in diameter group and it was like Ooh. oh my gosh <laughs> like, i even looked at it and was assessing it was like there's something off here did i do something wrong and then and then made my adjustments and then key hold that one inch pasty at 100 yards and was like that's the fastest i've ever set up a civilian gun out of the box yeah that's less than you know a grand which yeah. is which is really good that's awesome yeah it was fun man that's, a, that's way awesome it was super cool so are you absolutely hooked now? That Western hunting is a pretty fun game, isn't yeah, it? I've had a lot of failed attempts in archery in Arizona yep. on mule deer. Okay. And uh, I had talked to you on a podcast about it where I had stalked for days and weeks, uh, glassed, and, and, you know, you get out there and you get out of your truck and look across an open field, you could see a mule deer a 1,000 yards away and spook them. I mean, those, those mule deer there with the winds and everything else, they're switched on. They're yeah. like elusive, wild creatures, and they're not domesticated at all. And so I had a hunger for it and was like, I need to bag this. And I wanted one of my first muleys to be, because I killed a lot of whitetail in North Carolina, but I wanted one of my first mule deer hunts to be archery. Yeah. But I wasn't going to turn down that yep. beautiful pre presented side so, of that so, animal. So what happened in, the, uh, did you say in Montana you had an elk, an elk issue? I, Idaho. Idaho. Sawtooth, yeah. Okay. So I went on a, uh, a hunt with, uh, I had, we had packed out a string of goats. And <laughs> one part of me was like, hey, do we want to run? I wanted the sawtooth hunt. But I was like, do I need to run the goats now? Because I wasn't familiar with it. Right. Mark Warnerke from uh, Pack Goats, um, very experienced hunter. But he's like, I mean, he's like the CrossFit champion of, of overland out door hunting i mean it was like we were running from point to point to point and i, I think the assessment is we did 40 miles in three days it, it was brutal and so i was prepared but i wasn't that prepared yeah i felt like i was in special forces selection like, I'm, like, I'm like what do we do i'm like i thought this was going to be a little bit easier and i expected it but i didn't whine about it i just sucked it up and we had a lot of i think we were early in the rut and we had a lot of uh young immature bulls come in sprinting in and what i was amazed by because i'd never hunted with uh, goats before i thought they were going to be a distractor i yeah. thought for sure that goats anywhere near me with a bow was going to mess things up mm -hmm. so uh the first time we had a young bull the first day we called one in and he sprinted in and i saw him look at the goats and the goats didn't have bells or anything they were just in the in the wood line and it's like the elk recognized the goat as a wild animal yeah. and was like, oh, oh, it's just goats. 
and then he was curious. Uh-huh. And so instead of sprinting in and then sprinting out, he sprinted in and then was like smelling and then kind of making, doing his little recce route, get, getting to the goats. And he was super curious, which held them up. That I drew on that on that elk, um, even though it was a young uh, a young bull. But I was like, you know, same deal. I'm here for the meat. Yeah. And I pulled Drew down on him, and I wanted a bigger one. And he kind of got in the way of the tree line. It was about a 75 yard shot. I'm like, uh, let me draw down. Let me just admire this and let him get out because there's there's going to be more elk to come. Right. Long story short, there wasn't. We spent a lot of time walking. I think our first, my first leg on the second day was nine hours, and we didn't see anything. Oof. I didn't even see a squirrel, Oof. like nothing. And Oof. then we got back, uh, went out that night, um, did the same thing, saw nothing. We were smoked. We get about four and a half hours of sleep a night. Um, the last day, the last evening, um, we 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 hear one. We start stalking on them and realize it's other hunters. Which is rare in that area. Oh, yeah. Uh, You've been walking nine hours a day and run into other hunters? Yeah. That's just horrible. In the, <laughs> yeah, like We're like cliff hanging in Sawtooth. So we get to a point where we identify it's other hunters. So we wanted to do a link-up with them just out of respect, just to make sure they knew. So we just did, I, I think Mark did some whack calls just so they identify that, hey, this isn't, this isn't an elk. And they kind of displaced. And then we're packing up our stuff, getting ready to move back, and the sun's coming down. And we had been calling the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, there was like a high ground and then low ground, and we're in the low ground. And we are literally just BSing. Loud, not loud, but just at a talking volume, normal talking volume. And a bull comes sprinting down the mountain. We hear him. We're like, what was that? And we turn, and he's literally running down towards us, looking <laughs> at us. Mark, Mark, Mark's in front of me. We're, just on, we're sitting on our butts. Mark... Uh, drops down to the prone. I sit up, just sit up. I'm still on a knee, and I take about a 75-yard shot and hit him. And and I'm like, I can't believe that just happened. He breaks away. We let him go for a little bit, and then we start trying to track him. Well, we're blood tracking him, and the sun goes down. Oh. So now we're out with flashlights, and the initial blood screening, it was like spurts blood, and then it got real little. So the thinking was, Man, I might have gut shot this 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 elk. Uh, maybe I, I spurred in him. Maybe I gut shot him. And I'm feeling bad. Obviously, I'm feeling horrible. I don't want to leave. Yeah. But, but Mark's like, dude, we got to get back to base camp. We have to leave. We have to get back. We don't have any camping gear and equipment. Um, let's come back in the morning. And we did. We spent the next morning six hours trying to track him. So I'm I'm bummed out. I'm devastated. Yeah. So I'm like, man, we can't find him. We're looking all over this place. We pack it up. The next day, um, not the next day, the next, uh, so that, that day goes by. The next day, that evening, Mark texts, texts me and says, hey, one of my guides found your elk. And I'm like, well, I immediate was like, thank God, right? And then the second thing was like, how's the meat? <laughs> like, is there any? And the meat was spoiled. Yeah. So... We, we did the right thing. They, they skinned them out. They, they pulled them. And then um, uh, I got a Euro mount waiting on me right now. But a hard lesson learned. Mm-hmm. And, and like when Mark asked me, he said, do you want him? Do you want his head? The first thing I thought was no. But then I thought, I do, because I want the reminder. You want of, that, yeah. Uh, yeah of you the, want the trophy to remind you of that whole experience. Exactly. That, yep. that, that whole trophy mentality in that way for me was like, 
I want that because I want to tell my kids about that. Yeah. I want to tell uh, uh, my, my friends and my family and go, hey, let me tell you about the circumstance there and some of the mistakes that I made and, and, and have a representation of that. Because the, the alternative is it's sitting in the woodline somewhere. Yeah. And I, can't, I couldn't live with that. But um, went from that hunt straight to Deseret and had a, a great hunt. And uh, that's that's yeah. so cool. You you because you're you're, you're kind of on this trophy. You know, last time you and I talked yeah. at your office over a year ago, we talked about trophy hunting yeah. and, and what that means and that it's right now it's been demonized and it's not. That's yeah. not what it is. It's, yeah. it's about it's about uh, batching wits with a mature animal in yeah. the woods, just like you and your elk. And, you know, things happen. Yeah. And you were worried about the meat. And that's that's what we do every day. Trophy yeah. hunting is about matching wits with a mature animal. But the meat is really what it's about. Yeah. And to watch this progress with you and, and, and you go, you know, I, just, I didn't want the head, but I do want the head. I want, I want the reminder. And I want people to ask me about, you know, you're sitting in front of two giant deer here at the expo. And those are reminders. I will always remember that deer right there. I sat on on the scope for two and a half hours waiting for him to stand up. And when he did, he came out of a, like a rocket. Yeah. I look at that deer every morning when I walk out of my bedroom, and it reminds me of that. Number one, how hard that is to sit behind a scope for two and a half hours. But it's a reminder. It's yeah. nothing. It's not. It's not an ego thing. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, you know, I have trophies. You know, soccer trophies or football trophies on a on a on a uh, shelf somewhere that I glance at and remind, you know, pump my own ego. That's not what it's about. Yeah. It's about an experience and a connection with nature. And that remember re is a reminder of your connection with, you know, nine hour treks and, you know, a, a little bull not being able to do it. And then a big bull comes in and all just the whole story yeah. constantly. Yeah. I, I immediately got it when we had that conversation because I didn't understand it from an expert's uh, opinion. Well, you thought it was poaching. Yeah. For sure, and you're not alone, Mike. I've, yeah. I've been preaching this for a year and a half since you and I's conversation. It steamed, it steamed my blood, and I said, "There's a there's a misconception that the main Completely. media is is using poaching and trophy hunting simultaneously or synonymously, and it, it's not the same. It is it, not. It's not. It, it, what I what I realized even in that that event, or even the mule deer is a better example. I got a cape mount for my mule deer, and. I've never done that. I, I like the European look anyway. Yeah. But but when they asked me, they said, "Hey, do you want to do a cape? We're like, what do you want to do?" And I I immediately went to back to that reference of our conversation, and went, "Man, this is the most beautiful animal I've ever killed. Like everything about him, I wanted to remember visually, mm -hmm. and even even touching that animal, I wanted that representation yeah. of that moment and." Even though it's it was burned in my memory, to have that, I was like, yeah, let me do a cape, and and all the guides who were you know experts, and I'm certainly not, were telling me how mature they were showing me the age how, the aging process with the teeth, and they're like, man, this this mule deer, the estimate was six to seven years old, live a long, amazing life. We got him pre-rut before he started rutting hard, so we had good fat on him, yeah. was healthy, mature, and he was primed for the next winter season where it was going to be brutal. Yeah, and so I. I killed him in his prime. Yeah. And so now when I think about that, it's, it's changed my whole, my whole idea of this idea of trophy hunting because I found myself even in the wood line going, he ain't big enough. And the big was associated with age yeah. because I wanted the, the, the mule deer, the elk to live, have lived a long, healthy life yep. because it's like me, if I'm taken out, you know, I want to be taken out in my, my prime. Right. Yeah. And, um, 
and the last quick story, which which I'll, some people will get, some people will think it's crazy. When I was a sniper in special operations, we had a couple of things that we did that were ritualistic, and one of those things were we marked on our guns the buttstock. Typically, depending on the, the buttstock, if it was synthetic, it was harder to do. But we referenced the bad guys that we killed in combat. And it wasn't because we were keeping score. I mean, technically, we were keeping score, uh, literally. But what it was was a representation of our experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had a, a helmet once that we, I would, we would mark uh, uh, engagements with a, a small skull, right? And we put it on the side of it. And if you look back in history and special operations, those are all impactful references for not points, but experience. So if you, sh- if you saw me in combat and you saw my assaulter helmet and you saw like 20 skulls on the side of my helmet, you didn't go, man, that dude is a killer. You went, that dude's experience. Yeah. And he's, he's been there, done yeah, that. Yeah, he's been in some shit. He's been in some shit. So what he's saying, I should pay attention to. Yes. And it was just a way, it's the same thing with the uniforms and badges. Yeah. Like when I have my Ranger tab and my SF tab, you walk up on me immediately you could identify without saying a word that I had that experience. You come to my house, you look at my wall, same deal. Right. And, and I think that's important. Right. I think that's important in the context of understanding each other uh, from a point of experience without having to have a long-form conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it, my mind's completely changed after that conversation. That's, that's such a great progression. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm, yep. if, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up with this in a year and just see how I it's love progressing. That. I love that. It's, yeah. it's fun to watch. We have, we have a gal, our token hippie, in, uh, in the office, and I've watched her come from just uh, you know doing meat all the way up to now she's trophy hunting and it's been it's been astonishing how fast it happened yeah. she like, shot a good buck this year yeah right? she shot a really good buck this year yep. and, and she held out and held out and passed up bucks and all kinds of stuff for that one buck she saw on day two of the hunt and she spent 15 days 20 wow. days hunting. wow so it's yeah it's fun yeah it's, it, it's neat yeah. and we have so many new hunters there's seventy-five thousand new hunters in montana this year do you know that Wow. 75,000. That's amazing. And we have to educate these people. I was talking to yes, to somebody yesterday. These guys don't they they, they don't have the the long history of hunting behind them that that gave them experiences and knowledge and you know the 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 uh, perspective. We have to educate them as hunters as and educate them on how this is why trophy hunting is important. Yeah. And what meat procurement means. And yeah. what do you do with it? I mean, there's guys that go yeah, I really want, you know, I was talking to a dude yesterday who's never hunted ever. And he came to this and he wants to learn how to do it. And he's like, where do I start? I was like, holy buckets, you need to learn. Okay, number one, YouTube's your friend. Get on there. Number two, you need to be reading books. And there's a lot of them. Number three, get on podcasts, just like Brian, Brian's podcast. And you'll learn it more than, in this day and age, there's no excuse. Yeah. The I, information is free almost. It's free. It's all out there. I, I mean, our podcast we did several years ago, um, I learned a lot from that podcast because I, we talked about a lot of referencing of my experiences or lack of experiences, and I identified my own deficiencies and, you know, it started with zero, zero, 001 of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, if guys are more open to, especially with the ego thing, yeah. we, we find it in the tactical space, but more open to sharing their experiences like Brian's doing, that's how we're going to build these relationships, but also learn from each other. Yeah. I, I'm... I'm, I'm probably the, out of all of these people, the most inexperienced guy in hunting, but I'm 
I, I guarantee I'm one of the most willing to learn yeah. because I know my deficiencies. And I, I think if guys step up who are afraid to get into it because they think it's like overwhelming, just just listen to the free information you guys have. The, jur- yeah. the journal itself, yeah. um, what you guys are doing on podcast. That's a great start point. Yeah. It, it certainly has helped me in my my well, journey. And, and you know, there's 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 some. We're gonna start. Uh, Brian's actually working on. I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. Yep. Brian's actually working on a mule deer uh, uh, online. I guess it's course. online course. Yeah. yeah, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And it's just like what you guys are doing with in the survival world. Really cool. I mean, there's so much information that you guys provide to your customers. What, what do you guys got going on new? I mean, I know you're doing classes. I, I, I was talking to Robbie, one of your guys, last night. I, the amount of courses you're doing is insane. Yeah, it's 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 hard to keep up with. We, so the whole strategy with training was a lot of the training that we did, we did intermittently depending on the geographical geographical region. So okay. if you wanted to take, for example, a tactical course in Arizona, you had to go to um, Virginia to take a med course, a first aid course, because we had certain experts in certain places. Uh-huh. Now the strategy is we want to provide like a laddered rung approach where every rung is a course in your own backyard. So if you're in Arizona, now you can get tactical courses in self-defense. You can get scenario-based training. You can get first aid, survival, the list goes on. So now that is expanded training. I mean, the first 90 days, the first week of January, we posted 160 training courses Jeez. for January, February, and March, the first Holy quarter. Holy buckets. So, we, I mean, we've been executing. Here we are in February, and we've been executing all over the place. We're probably running right now four to six states this weekend alone. All over the country. So you do it. These are all. So you're doing them in different places, but you're also doing online. Yes. The yeah. Hundred. That's online. Yeah. We do. We do a, a combination of free training online, learning management system type stuff, like you get in an academic environment where you're following a protocol, and then uh, the in tr- in person training. Because we've identified early on, obviously, that you know if you're if you're somebody and you want to train with us, and we can get the price point of the course at a decent price point. Then, if you're across the country, we'll add it fifteen hundred dollars to that. Yeah, and then add wearing a mask for four and a half hours. Right, all these problems, and so if if we were going to scale training, we had to do it online. So we've done a lot of that. Most of it's free. I would say probably seventy percent of it, especially the online stuff's free. But we do have bracketed more um, Zoom-based interactive training online. Is that through Fieldcraft, your website? Yeah, there's there's two major sites. I mean, FieldcraftSurvival.com is one of them. But on AmericanContingency.com, we have a lot of the LMS stuff dropping there, like survival, like um, firearm safety, uh-huh. all the basic stuff is going to be launched there. Yeah, we did. Uh, well, of course, we bring some of your guys up, Kevin and those guys up, to do a pistol training with us yeah. in, uh, last fall and, or yeah. last spring. It was unbelievable. That's awesome. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it was, it was fun to watch because I did it with all my employees. And there's, there's uh, some of my employees never shot a pistol ever in yeah. their life. And yeah. by the end, they were going running through the course, and it was fun to watch. That's awesome and to hear. They yeah. all bought pistols, and you know, there was actually a couple of the gals were like, I'm not real sure I want to do this. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they got coerced into it, but they, the other employees convinced them to do it. Yeah. And now they all own pistols, and they're all about it. Absolutely yeah. about it. it it's, it's like hunting. It's... The journey and the process has a lot to do with the whole, how beautiful that whole experience is. You you go to a shooting course, it's not just about shooting. Yeah. Because stress is, is, you're inoculated in it. Yeah. So getting past that fear, 
overcoming some of those confidence barriers, it's just like hunting. Once you overcome that and you come out of the wood line, you put your head on that comfortable pillow, you have a different perspective. And that's, yeah. that's what it is. It's, that's why I think this whole idea of this technical training, that's always a thing, but it's deeper than that. Yeah. yeah, I love the the real world application of field craft survival. Like you guys have helped me personally. Like uh, uh, I told Mike a story. I was charged by a bear that I arrowed a couple of years ago, and I I shot nine times and hit it twice when it charged mm-hmm. me. Like I, wow. I, you know, it was really uh, tough shooting under that intense pressure, and I hadn't built myself a shot process. But through talking with Mike and having him on the podcast and talking through building me a shot process and then practicing more with that pistol yeah. now i walk around with confidence that no i can put the first shot in them or gonna yeah. gonna put some lead into that bear and then just kevin this morning like i have two daughters and i ran into a girl at the show that saw a homeless guy downtown and then had a guy knocking on her hotel door and so she that was dan um uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually a funny story. Dad did go to the wrong hotel yesterday. Oh, did he really? He was in the wrong room, like, beating on the door. Almost got shot. And some lady's like, go away. He's Almost like, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. The wrong room. <laughs> sorry. Uh, well, it uh, sounds like it could have been Dan. But, you know, uh, like talking to, to Kevin Estella this morning, uh, just giving me some good uh, real-world applications for, for women keeping uh, safe out there, like uh, uh, to be able to, to see dangerous situations that arise and how to handle them and yeah. how to trust your instincts. And so, you know, not only do you guys do survival and the safety podcast I did with Kevin Estella is one of our, our most popular podcasts. And I got so many comments from it about keeping safe in the backcountry or keeping safe in your rig. So yeah. uh, at Fieldcraft, you're doing such a good job, whether it's the, the pistol training or the, the, the real world applications of, of giving us stuff that we can apply in our own worlds and in our own life. It's just great what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, we, we thrive. I always said that Philcraft is not, like my narrow field of expertise in counterterrorism as a sergeant major in special forces and working for the CIA is not the translation of how civilians need to operate. What we are is a conduit for the expert and the person who wants to learn. Uh, Kevin Estella most certainly is the expert in survival. I recruited him based off of reading his book yeah. and going, hey, this dude is the right guy. It took me two years to hire him. Oh, he's right there, look at that. <laughs> it took me two years to hire him. And, and when I look at that journey, it, it, if we look at all of the things that we can become better at, if you drop the ego, you kind of open your mind to the experience, and you find the expert, Phil Kraft is the conduit for that delivery of that information. And I always want to be known for that. It's, it's never been about money. You most certainly have to run a business and, and pay the bills. But first and foremost, it's about community. I mean, we just had a Go Rigs and Coffee this morning. There is no ass there. Um, we, don't, we don't do anything but try to bring people together, educate them, and then have them network themselves and go, man, this is a, a cool thing. Like, we're here together. We might be from difficult, uh, different political circumstance or different backgrounds, but I'm on this board that's preparedness. Like, I want to be prepared. I want to protect my family. So do you. Let's, let's get dinner or get lunch after that. So what's you're talking about that. Explain what the Go Rig and Coffee is. So it's Go Rigs and Black Rifle Coffee because we're partnered with Black Rifle on this. And the idea is uh, people bring their overland rigs. I don't care if you have a Honda Civic. Show up, and then we'll teach you how to better prepare yourself. If you don't have survival and first aid in your rig, even if it's a Honda Civic or a yeah. $100,000 Raptor, you're wrong. You need that. We just posted uh, this morning, Mike Hernandez did 
about uh, this snowstorm that keeps taking people out and locking them down on the freeway where they have to survive yeah. for periods of time. It's like we're just paying attention to the basics. So in this conversation we have, we, we drink coffee, we eat donuts, we hang out, and we give small free blocks of instruction. Uh, we do those all over the country. We'll be doing them around Black Rifle Coffees all over the country this year as they scale and grow as well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's it, super it fun. Gives, it gives, you know, somebody that wouldn't normally have the opportunity to talk to, you know, experts like you guys. Yeah. Hey, this is my Honda Civic. I don't want to get stuck on the freeway and die because I'm out there for six hours and freeze to death. What do I need in it? Yeah. That is way cool. Yeah, it's super Good fun. Yeah. yeah, it's super positive experience. I try David. to prepare my daughters the same way, how yeah. to change tires, you know, to yeah. have all that stuff in their rig for a snowy Montana road yeah. and um, uh, try to educate them so they're prepared for it because uh, once you're in a scenario like that that's life-threatening, it's, it's too, too late. late. Yeah. It's too yeah, late. Yeah, you got to be prepared for it. And I just love hearing about Mike's journey into hunting too. It's um, uh, not that you haven't hunted before, but into Western hunting and how uh you've really immersed yourself in it like you you've dropped your ego and you've really tried to learn and you we're, we're all in different places in our journey uh, of learning backcountry hunting and and your journey you know dedicating yourself to hunting those mule deer and stalking them down in the desert you learn like a lot of lessons and you keep evolving your knowledge base like you've had to take uh you know uh, uh, you guys are the experts in field craft survival but you've gone and done something that's extremely difficult and challenge it and, and and through all your stocks you've learned and then that elk hunt you had to grind yeah. like you felt like you were back in your special forest days you had to keep putting forth effort day in day out you had to uh the psychological battle you had the psychological battle of continuing to put forth effort to try to locate elk to try to create an opportunity uh you had the psychological uh like the, the what happened on your bowl you know you executing a shot and you said you're gonna remember that trophy and look at it and tell that story uh, uh in its entirety and honestly to people so they can learn from it and you can learn from it from it and be better in your execution like um it it's such a uh, it's such a great playground to uh, uh further your knowledge and further your skills and so it's it's just so amazing to see you in that journey and then see you be successful on such a great old mule deer and they get that old um man i mean uh, uh they've evolved from thousands of years of avoiding mountain lions and when they get to be five six seven years old they've avo avoided multiple hunting seasons and so uh to be able to out theorize and outwit that mule deer and be at the right place at the right time and then execute a good shot of course you bring this amazing skill set of shooting and executing shots like you know how to how to perform at a high level under an intense amount of stress so it's no surprise that you close that deal on that mule deer but it's just amazing to see and amazing to talk about with you yeah it's it's um i look at you as like operators in in this space because you guys are the experts and when i started getting into it what i realized it's the closest thing that i've seen to a very intense job that i had in special operations of being a sniper and you know like people think it's just like hunting right people think um being a sniper is the shot you take in in the bad circumstance it's not that at all. It's the process. It's yeah. the mm. it's the stalking. It's the reconnaissance. It's the glassing. It's yes. the intel. It's the observation. It's the physical fitness. It's all of these things. So when you look at the process of hunting and you're successful, that is a story of a lot of commitment and time, energy, resources. And so when I take a step back and I think, how can I closely, how what is the closest I could do 
to get to that life that I lived in special operations, and it's backcountry hunting. Like, I grew up hunting out of tree stands in North Carolina. That, to me, is very easy to do. There's a time and place for that. But going into the backcountry, hiking, and then having to train up for this process to be successful, you, the statistics of you being successful are directly correlated to the amount of time and energy you invest. Yeah. And so for that, that, that to me is the most beautiful thing about backcountry hunting. And so when I look at you guys, I'm like, how was your hunting season? You're like, crushed it. I'm like, man, like, what were you doing in your physical fitness routine? It's not like, so, so tell me about that shot. It's like, there's so many subtasks that you led yeah. up to, to mm-hmm. be successful. And that's what's beautiful, I think, about backcountry hunting. Yeah, yeah, it's, oh, a, it's a process, and, and it's a lifestyle. It's, a lifestyle, for yeah, sure. I mean, it's yeah. We were talking to uh, Phil from Zamberlin, and he's he's new to new to to uh, backcountry hunting, and, and he's talking about every weekend. You know, me and my buddy, we we do this and we do that as we as he's preparing for that two week hunt. It's not the two weeks; it's the other fifty. Yeah. That, that count. Yes. Yep. And even, yeah. even at this, even at the standing at this show, which is a an unbelievable place to network, talk to guys, get good ideas, you know. Uh, solve problems that you had in the field you're prepping right here we're doing we're doing it on this podcast yeah i love it man i love it and i well, i appreciate you guys for uh, allowing me to have the opportunity to to learn from you and be part of this experience i mean i, I was just i was just texting john dudley the other day and i'm like man what an opportunity man and you know not many people get to text john dudley or or work with you guys but I will do my best through our social media, through any content that we can to be able to share that experience because as much as we can share it, the more people get invested in learning. And I, I, what I will say is those hunts that I did where I was doing content behind it, uh, I had a lot of great feedback talking uh, about reading the journal, listening to the podcast, and then going, man, I, I never thought this was something I could do. Yeah. But now that we're having the conversation, I'm signing up. I'm going to get invested. I'm going to buy the bow. I'm going to start working out. I'm going to get the magazine, start reading, and, and get invested in the hunt. That's yeah. cool to see because there's a lot of hunters out there, um, just like the tactical space, who compartmentalize their experience. And they say it's not open because there's not enough. There's plenty to go around. And uh, when I think about resilience, resilience is partitioning the dependence you have on factory farming, on all these systems, these institutions uh, that that literally uh, want to be controlling of you in order for them to empower themselves, whether that's monetization or whatever it may be. The more you can hunt, the more food you can put on the, on the plate that's sourced from you, the more you're lending to conservation, and yes. the more you're living a resilient life. Yes. And that's the life that I want to live. That's what Philcraft's all about. It's about self-empowerment and self-reliance. Mm-hmm. Stop yes. depending on all these other systems. And you know? hunting is the best way to procure that. Absolutely it's the is. beginning of it. It's the start point of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the start point of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the amount that, that you use, those skills, those survival skills, every single day in the backcountry. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I sleep? How do I protect myself from 100%. predators? Everything. Yeah, it's such a beautiful thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's so cool. I, I'm... I'm just thankful for our partnership with you guys and everything we've learned and uh, your crew. You know, it's it's awesome and uh, just sharing, being able to share it and and like I said, beginning watching everything progress. It's yeah, been, it's, it's crazy. It's been fun for me. It's cool. It's cool. I, yeah, I appreciate the partnership and the friendship, and uh, look forward to this year and yeah. more years to come. Hopefully, we can get on a hunt, Mike. I'd love to. Yeah, I'll, you let me know when. Out. I'll chalk it up. Okay. I, I would love. I would love that. It would yeah. be a. It would be a humbling opportunity for me for sure, and yeah. I take it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Cool. 
I love oh. hearing Mike's experience in hunting. Uh, it's so <laughs> articulate the way you describe it's so it. Fresh. But you're you're a student of the game, and yeah. you you realize that it's multifaceted. It isn't just being a good shot. It isn't just being in good shape. That it takes all these different skill sets, and these skill sets take years to learn. And years. and it's not about the the one kill shot or pulling that trigger. Uh, it's about the entire process. And the guys that are really good at backcountry hunting, they they embrace the process. Yeah. They embrace yeah. the the training and the preparing and they they go down deep down the rabbit hole each one of these facets whether it's with rifles or with bows or uh, uh, getting into stocking and really looking at your stocks and how you can improve and where you failed and how you can get better and um i really think that that that's the way to consistent success and 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 that's the way to uh really take in the most out of the experience yeah. you know that you, you you get to go have this adventure and in today's day and age everything is so nerfed out there oh, you know man. and and not that you that you don't have to prepare for things that go wrong but it seems like out in those mountains like uh, the the decisions you make directly uh directly affect your safety directly affect uh, you know whether or not you're you're able to be successful and and and, and it's just a, a a great place for adventure and I think us as Americans us as as guys or as, as human beings like we need that in our life we yeah, need something that challenges yeah. us and it's not backed by this this monetary benefit it's it's backed by passion something we love to do and, and a connection yeah you get to connect with nature and connect with you know stretch your own physical yes. abilities mental abilities yes I mean rocking for for nine hours that's that's gonna that's gonna that's going to do something to you mentally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get off your damn cell phone yeah. for Absolutely. a little bit. Yeah. You know? I like that. Yep. And, and yeah. You, when, you're, when you're hunting too, um, like I'm able to reflect on my life a little bit better. For some reason, when I'm in the hustle and bustle and I'm driving to work and I'm answering calls, like I'm in it and I can't like uh, get the perspective to really reflect on it. But when I get up there by myself in the mountains and you're hunting hard in the mornings and then maybe you have some time in the middle of the day, but I'm I'm able to reflect upon my my job and my family and my life and how things are going and how can how yeah. I can improve it. And when you're up there, you realize what's really important to you. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, it's so fun to see your journey in it. And uh, like I say, we're so happy to be partnered with you at Fieldcraft Survival. Uh, you guys are putting out amazing information, and I'm learning all the time from you guys. And I... Um, yeah, I just really appreciate the friendship with you and the friendship with Kevin and uh, you guys helping me out with the pistol so I can actually hit a bear when you charge me. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's yeah. just absolutely great. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah. you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for appreciate having me. I look forward to it. I'm going to linger around here and go out here and build some relationships. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Fun conversation with those guys. Um, Ike Eastman's always fun to sit down with. And then Mike Glover is just such a wealth of knowledge, so well-spoken. Uh, I love listening to that guy speak. I love uh, hearing him talk about his experiences in the mountains and um, you know using this, this special forces or this military skill set and applying it to Western hunting. So there's no doubt that he's going to be successful doing it. And uh, I'm just um, excited to follow along on his journey. So um, I also... Uh, special thanks to Mike Glover uh, mentioned me and Eastman's Elevated on his podcast the other day and uh, definitely saw a bunch of messages from that. So uh, just a good, solid guy uh, that I really enjoy sitting down with and recording a podcast. So thanks to him for that. 
Thanks to you guys for your support. Uh, I also want to thank Zamberlin Boots, just building the absolute best boots I've ever used. I love that 215 Saluth uh, GTX RR. Man, just an amazing um, hunting shoe. Uh, also that 320 Trail Light. And they have so many different boots and shoes that, that fit every different personal preference that you could have in there. So if you're in the market for some new boots, make sure to check out Zamberlin. Also, make sure to check out Swagger Bipods. Uh, great bipods, quick disconnect, uh, swivel head on the top, also have shooting sticks, uh, just an amazing product. Um, so with that, um, also over at Eastman's, we'll have that new Beyond the Grid uh, being released here soon. Super excited to see that backcountry hunt come to light, so um, got to sit down and record that. And um, yeah, thanks to you guys. Uh, thanks for all the support on that solo episode. Uh, it's always a little tough to put myself out there. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what I'm working on in life, but it, it's amazing. Like the more honest I am with the podcast, the more it connects with you guys, my audience. And so I always like to share things like that. Uh, I also have some good news. Uh, Montana special results came out. Um, so the, the big three, uh, moose, sheep and goat came out and, um, your boy, Brian, drew a moose tag. So, um, super stoked. I've been up hunted Alaskan Yukon moose. Uh, my buddy had a tag here in the valley. It's been probably been 15 years. Helped him arrow a bull. Um, but I am yet to harvest a moose with my bow. And so I've got this great Shiris tag. It's a unit. Uh, they actually combined two of my favorite units that I've been applying for. I think I had over 20 points for him. So over 20 years applying. And um, your boy's going to be hunting moose this year with his bow and arrow. Uh, absolutely can't wait. Super stoked. So uh I was ready to start scouting last night when I heard the news and, um, yeah, just ready to start getting after these things and, um, trying to see if I can find a great big bull. Like the moose is one of the tougher challenges out there. They live in thick terrain, big country, uh, but I do know this unit really well and, uh, I'll be holding out for a real good one. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I want to harvest a moose. I want to make good on this tag, but it's also this special opportunity where I get a couple months to chase these things with my bow. So I'm going to hunt them really hard, uh, be really choosy, try to find a good representation of the species that I'm totally psyched with and uh, try to put a perfect arrow into them. So uh, super stoked about that. Uh, congrats to my buddy Dylan. Um, I don't know if he's released it on social media. Maybe I should kind of uh, keep it uh, on the down low until he releases it on social media. But he harvested a good bear uh, last night. His first black bear harvested it with his bow. I'm so proud of this guy, man. Um, he is just a killer. Deer, elk, now bear. Um, he just set the um, goal of, of harvesting a black bear with his bow. And he spent his time learning and, and came up with his own spot and uh, spent time in there. Now he's got a couple years in there and uh, arrowed a great color phase boar. So super stoked for that guy. In fact, I'm going to sit down tomorrow morning and record a podcast. He's uh, so good at all Western hunting. I love his spot and stock elk tactics as he hunts similar to me, and he's just become a real good friend over the years. So I'm going to record that one tomorrow. We'll get it out to you guys in the next couple weeks. Uh, have some bear information on it, so it is pertinent. Want to have it out uh, as bear season's starting to heat up around here. Uh, I did see my first bear got out Saturday. Saw that, so um, super fun and going to start hunting some evenings here, and then I've got that Hawaii trip coming up. So some good hunting. Um, house is coming good. Uh, got the floor on, framing walls. Um, so that's going good. All my projects for Barney Construction are going smooth. So um, 
we'll just keep after it here and keep getting things done. And um, before I know it, we'll be in the the heat of hunting season. Heck, heck we're in the, the heat of it now with the uh, spring bear and then this trip coming up. So um, super stro- stoked to go have some adventures. Super stoked to have that that moose tag. That's absolutely amazing. I bucked the odds and drew a good one. So um, thanks to you guys for all the support of the podcast. I really appreciate you guys. And with that, I'll check in with you next week.